it's Nathan, and this is day 80 of the Bible in 90 Days, and we're in Acts chapters 7 through 16. Chapter 7, by the way, a chapter you should read, continues over from chapter 6. In chapter 6, the newly appointed, spirit-filled deacon, Stephen, was arrested. Chapter 7 reports his defense before the Sanhedrin and his tragic execution by stoning. Three elements are worth highlighting. First, his powerful speech, which carefully traced the history of Israel from the time of Abraham in Mesopotamia through the enslavement in Egypt, then the birth and rise of Moses, and on to the Exodus and Israel's rebellion against God under Moses' leadership. Then on to kingdom, specifically mentioning David and Solomon and the building of Solomon's beautiful temple. Then Stephen is apparently cut short as his speech shifts dramatically. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. At this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. In the midst of their rage, Stephen looked up, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. They could take it no longer, drug him out of the city, and stoned him. While being stoned, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8 records that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It also introduces us to a soon-to-be pivotal character in the story of the early church, a relatively young, zealous, determined, and violent Jewish persecutor of the church, Saul. Then Luke tells us of Philip, preaching the story of Jesus in the city of Samaria and working miracles. So there was great joy in that city. The next story Luke tells is about a boastful sorcerer, Simon, who practiced his craft in the city of Samaria. However, when Philip came into town, the people believed him and were baptized. And so was Simon, who began to follow Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Then Peter and John came into town. When Simon saw the Holy Spirit given to the new Samaritan believers in response to Peter and John's prayers and laying on of hands, he offered them money, demanding, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter strongly rebuked him, concluding, I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin, after which Simon asked Peter to pray for him. The final story in the chapter is again about Philip. This time an angel instructed him, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. The man, who was returning from worshiping in Jerusalem, was reading from Isaiah and puzzled by the passage about the suffering servant. After inviting Philip to join him in the chariot, he asked, 
tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip gladly told him the story of Jesus, and then this Ethiopian believed and was baptized. Then the Spirit miraculously relocated Philip to Azotus. Chapter 9 tells the story of Saul's conversion. While traveling to Damascus on a mission to persecute the believers, Saul had an encounter with Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Blinded by the encounter, he was led by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Then a local, and need I say stunned, believer, Ananias, was sent to inform this recent persecutor, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul immediately began to teach in Damascus, growing more and more powerful and proving that Jesus is the Messiah. A conspiracy to kill him quickly materialized, so his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Barnabas came to his defense, and Saul worked for a time in Jerusalem, before his life was again in danger and he was sent off to Tarsus. After his conversion, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. The rest of the chapter tells the story of two individuals being healed by Peter, Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, then in Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, who was always doing good and helping the poor, died. Peter was urged, please come at once. Arriving on the scene, Peter turned toward the dead woman and said, Tabitha, get up. And she did. Chapter 10, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, tells the fascinating story of Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One afternoon, an angel appeared to him, instructing him to send for Peter back in Joppa. The next day, as the messengers from Cornelius neared Joppa, Peter had a strange vision of unclean animals which he was instructed to eat, a violation of his faith. As soon as the vision finished, the non-Jews from Joppa arrived, telling Peter of their mission. Peter left with the men the next morning, heading for Cornelius' home in Caesarea, where the centurion was waiting with friends and close family. After Peter heard Cornelius' story, he said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. During Peter's visit, the Holy Spirit was given to these believing Gentiles, to the great surprise of the circumcised believers who had come with Peter. These new believers were immediately baptized. 
Chapter 11 begins with Peter explaining to the circumcised believers in Jerusalem the whole story. After these circumcised, skeptical believers heard the whole story, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. The chapter continues. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. At one point, Saul was brought from Tarsus by Barnabas back to Antioch, where the two of them ministered for a whole year. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The last note in the chapter is of Agabus, a prophet, prophesying that a famine would come to the entire Roman world. So the churches began to send gifts to support those in Judea. Chapter 12, another chapter well worth reading, begins with the story of Peter's arrest during a persecution under King Herod. While he was kept in prison, the church was praying. One night, while sleeping between two guards, an angel entered the cell, waking Peter and instructing, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. He's then walked out of the prison, where he finally discovers it's not a dream, and heads to the home of fellow believers, who can't believe he's been freed. In the morning, as you might expect, there was a great commotion at the prison. Then we read that sometime later, while being hailed as a god, an angel struck Herod down, and he was eaten by worms and died. The final note in the chapter is this. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Chapter 13 begins with God instructing the church to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then the two headed out on a missionary journey, taking John, again also called Mark, along as a helper. Along the way, they encountered Elymas the sorcerer, who, after opposing the work of Paul and Barnabas, was struck blind. However, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, was converted as a result. Next, the missionary duo arrived in Pisidian, Antioch, without John, however, who had returned to Jerusalem. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. That day, Paul preached and his message is recorded in the chapter. After finishing, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. The following week, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. At this, Paul and Barnabas declared, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Unfortunately, the jealous Jewish leaders stirred up persecution, resulting in the duo being expelled from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. Chapter 14. After meeting great success and persecution in Iconium, 
Paul and Barnabas narrowly escaped to a new region, which included the cities of Lystra and Derbe. Here, Paul, by the way, this is the same guy earlier referred to as Saul. Anyway, this Paul healed a lame man in Lystra. When the people saw it, they declared, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The wild crowd immediately began making plans to offer sacrifices. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd, urging them to stop and explaining their mission, barely calming the crowd's enthusiasm. The scene quickly changed, however, when some Jews from Antioch and Iconium persuaded the crowd to stone Paul, dragging him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But Paul got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. After making several additional stops on their journey, they returned to Antioch. Chapter 15 finds the church in a sharp dispute about whether or not the new Gentile converts should be circumcised according to the law of Moses. After prayerfully considering the matter, the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem concluded that we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. This they did, sending a letter by Judas and Silas to the Gentile believers in Antioch. Gentile, by the way, is simply another term for non-Jew. The chapter ends with Paul and Barnabas deciding to go on another missionary journey, especially to visit the places they had been previously. And then, an argument broke out over whether or not to take John, also called Mark, along with them. Remember, John had deserted them on the last missionary journey. The argument became so heated that the two separated over the matter. Barnabas and John teamed up together, while Paul teamed up with Silas. Both new teams headed in different directions. Chapter 16, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, begins with Paul arriving in Derby and then Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Finding Timothy a devoted follower of Jesus and highly recommended by the local church, Paul took him along in his missionary work. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. As Paul and his team continued their missionary journey, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul and his team eventually made it to Philippi, where a woman from Thyatira, Lydia, responded to Paul's messages and, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. While in Philippi, Paul and Silas got into some trouble after delivering a woman from the control of demons. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. A mob quickly assembled, joining the attack against Paul and Silas, who were beaten and then committed to prison. 
That night, as they sang, such a violent earthquake hit that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Greatly distressed, the jailer was about to commit suicide, but was stopped by Paul. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. That night, the jailer became a believer in Jesus. And the next day, the two men were released. Though Paul demanded that the magistrates who had committed the injustice come personally to escort them out. After saying farewell to Lydia and the other believers, they left town. And that's all for today.